0: Hey, Connect family, and all of those who are watching online, Uh, my name is Pastor Derek. If you don't know who I am, and a lot of you do, uh, that's why you're here, and so I want to welcome you. You might be watching from literally around the world, so I want to say hello to all the friends out there in the Middle East and Pakistan and a lot of the surrounding countries. I want to say hello to people I know that are watching all the way in California and the West Coast and Florida and Texas and... Some of my friends, of course, all over New England, but most importantly, I wanna say hello to the Connect family. Some of you can't be here in person and I just want you to know I understand that and I'm praying for you and uh, I'm longing to be together uh, with all of my spiritual family and just praying that there will be a day where for whatever reason, uh, God intervenes in such a way that we can be together physically again. And so I welcome you to uh, our service today. We're starting a new series be honest with you, whenever I start a new series, I'm a little bit nervous. I know that might be interesting to you to know that. I'm nervous for two reasons. One, it's tough speaking to a camera and and you can't really see you. And so that's a little nerve wracking. I remember being in seminary and my professor would say, you know, if you forgot kind of what and where you are, uh, you know, just kind of repeat what you just said and then, you know, look at your notes. And so if you forgot where you are, you just repeat what you said and then you look at your notes. And so, um, you may find in the beginning I I need to do that a little bit. It's just because it's a little nervous when you're starting something new. So we're starting a new series called Rebuild. Come on, just say that in the chat. Say it out loud. Who cares who can hear you? Just say Rebuild. And we're going to talk about a blueprint from God for building from brokenness, from things that get busted up, broken up, and messed up. Now let's face it, we're living in a world. In particular, for us in America today, we we could look at it and say, look at uh, all that's going on. You know. Um, by the way, I didn't mention. You know, I'm in my office. Okay. So we had some power problems in our main facility. So if you're wondering why we're here, that's why we're here. We're just adapting and pivoting. So uh, pardon me for not mentioning that. Um, But back to the message, if we look at the conditions in our world today, you know, especially recently, racial injustice, uh, political unrest, economic uh, challenges, the pandemic, hello, it's left the nation in some way, shape or form in ruins. And that would be more like globally. But then personally, we see a mental illness at an all-time high, suicide rate higher than ever, Um, personal loss, you know, in terms of people's dreams with their businesses and economic failures and um, physical loss. We've lost loved ones during this time. Um, Isolation, um, I think, is a major issue and it's left thousands and thousands of people in a personal ruin. Um, Some would say or you could say it like this the walls and gates of our personal lives and even of our nation, collectively, individually, literally, figuratively, have been decimated, destroyed, left in ruins. And then you look at the church, You're like, Pastor, is it gonna get good? Yeah, it's gonna get good. Don't worry. I just have to set things up. You look at the church, which is God's plan A, right? And during the last year and a half, the Big C church was decimated. I mean, globally, locally, um, in our church, hundreds of people no longer in church anymore, leaders boom, knocked off, picked off, marriages uh, divided and divorced, and a lot of painful stuff and and I can't I don't want to pause on that because I felt I felt it firsthand. So I want to say though, and I've had kind of two words during... The pandemic, but pretty early on in the pandemic, a few months in, the Lord started speaking to me. In so many words, he told me that, hey, we're not going back. We're not we're not here to return to what was, but I do want you to rebuild what is. I can I have an amen out there. He wanted he wanted me to see that he's not done and that the things that God wants to do through the local church are still going to happen, and many things have happened but many things are yet to still happen and God is looking for people who can see things not as though they were excuse me as they are but as they can be and and that's kind of a statement of faith we see in the word of God so this this series is dedicated to to you to our church to the people that connect influences and the season that we're in together We're called to be different, but we have to learn sometimes from people who behave differently in similar circumstances. So our big idea for this series, kind of our series big idea is this. Basically, let me set it up like this. When the world is in ruins, God always raises up Nehemiahs. We're gonna talk about Nehemiah. Nehemiahs behave differently when the world is in ruins. Nehemiahs don't fear brokenness, they don't just learn from it, instead they build from it. So our big idea is this, we don't fear brokenness, we build from it. Come on somebody, okay? So Nehemiah's, when we have that spirit, we see um, problems as opportunities. We see solutions in a lot of the pollution that's uh, taking place, and 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 we see some of these situations that we're experiencing as setups. And we don't fear brokenness; we build from it. I want you to say this. I want you to say, "I am a Nehemiah." Come on, say that out loud. I am a Nehemiah. I build. I build out of brokenness. I build out of broken. God is in the business of building things up from the ashes, from the ground up, from nothing to something. He's so powerful and good and he can do those kind of things. Now as we look in the Bible at the story of Nehemiah, you know the the, the books of the Bible like Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. By the way, speaking of Ezra, Ezra precedes Nehemiah not only in the Bible but in kind of history. Thirteen years before Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem, Ezra goes there and Ezra was on assignment from God to restore the temple, to restore the spiritual climate and culture of the city. And that's what he did. We could spend a whole series on that. But God said that's not enough. And so he sends Nehemiah to rebuild the infrastructure of Israel. And it was a total rebuild, a a total uh, holistic renovation, family, relationships, relationships, uh, financial, governmental, um, all of the infrastructure. Because God looks at you and me and he wants us to be holistically healthy. Um, he doesn't, God doesn't separate um, secular and sacred and put those in compartments. No, no, he looks at us and he looks at the church and he looks at the, 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 the mission of God on the earth holistically. And so what you do today on Sunday um, is not separated from what happens Monday through Saturday. Can I have an amen out there? And so God, um, He wants to do something and rebuild something in our social systems, relational, governmental, economic, your family, your marriage, your workplace. And God wants to use connect to be a big part of that rebuild. Amen. Now, our theme text is Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17. It says... This. It says, Come, Nehemiah is speaking, let us rebuild. He calls them to action. Let's rebuild, that's what the series is, the walls of Jerusalem. And then, skip ahead, he says, I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king said to me, which we'll get into in the coming weeks. And they replied, or they responded, Let us start rebuilding. And so they began. A good work. They began this good work. So I want you to join me today as if you're following along. I'm going to be reading from more or less Nehemiah chapter 1 and 2 and then we'll get into uh, other chapters as we go forward. But this guy was just an ordinary guy. He was an average Joe. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a king. He wasn't a warrior, okay? He was a cupbearer. But he undertook an extraordinary work. And he was absolutely one of the most incredible leaders that we could ever see in the Bible. Now, um, as a point of illustration, you're going to see some uh, imagery come up here. Have you ever seen, I'm a YouTube junkie, okay? I love just, I don't, i I'd rather watch YouTube than TV any day of the week or Netflix because I just love to learn. And anyway, I just have points of interest. And I'm watching these guys that go into the jungle. It'll just be nothing but jungle and dirt and trees. They'll have nothing but like a long machete or a little, uh, an extended knife or something. And from nothing, from the ground up, they will build these beautiful homes. And they're elaborate, and they're carving them into the ground, and they're digging stairs, and they're making windows, and they're making, you know, places, beds, and, and even pools. And they're bringing water in, and they're finding different ways from the, from the plant life to paint things. Absolutely astounding. And what I love the most is just watching the transformation process. And there's something pretty amazing about going through the process. A lot of times I think we just want to see the end results. We want to microwave it and get to it as soon as possible. But I think the process is better for us and God knows that. He knows that if we can appreciate, we can't appreciate the end results if we didn't go through the process. So God wants to take you and I on a journey through this series, and He wants us to be able to see this process. And I'll call the process or liken it to a blueprint for rebuilding out of brokenness. Now, Nehemiah receives kind of a word for his hometown, Jerusalem. It has broken down walls, and it has uh, gates that were burned with fire. And the Bible says it broke his heart which is really the focus of today's message, it broke his heart. And after that breakthrough moment, he determined, I'm going to rebuild things. I'm going to bring this city back. And he leads the people of God, get this, on a 52-day transformation of the city. Wouldn't it be great if we could take 52 days and implement some of these things? What could God do if all of us rallied together? Now, a question I have for you as we continue. Think about this as I say it to you. What is broken in your world that breaks your heart? I've thought about that recently. What is broken in your world that breaks your heart? We all have something that is broken in our world that should or has affected us. Some of us have an area in our life that needs work, needs some TLC, as I like to say to my wife. Perhaps it's a relationship that needs to be rebuilt, a a marriage makeover, maybe it's... a your finances are falling apart and you're in debt again and you got to reboot your savings and maybe you got a a side swiped in your career uh, during some COVID crackdowns and maybe your health was body slammed, you know, during this time. See, I know people who have lost loved ones and we lost a loved one in Connect just recently and it was very, very difficult for a lot of us. I know people in our body who went through a divorce, married years and years and years and went through a divorce, people I know that had to close their businesses, people I know that have to rebuild their relationship with God. What has what, what broken your heart that needs to be rebuilt? Enter Nehemiah into this question and this conversation. Now, the message topic today is emotion before motion. And I'll unpack that. Emotion before motion. I, I sometimes say things like this. It takes inspiration before perspiration. In other words, before we can go to rebuilding some things, before we can go to getting to work, there's something that needs to happen inside of us emotionally. And so I'm going to pray, and I want you to join me, and I just ask that this connects with you. Father, in Jesus' name, I spent a good amount of time getting ready for this in your Word and there's just a part of this that I can't transfer, I can't transmit, but you can. I pray that you would speak to people's hearts, that you would connect. This wouldn't just be information for their head. It would be something that connects with their heart. In Jesus' name. Nehemiah 1 says this. It says, The, word of, the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, his brother was Hakalui, just kidding, that's funny, um, but don't get intimidated by these names in here, okay? It's like, the, it's like it's out of like Lord of the Rings or something. But the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned him. I questioned about the Jewish remnant. Remember that word remnant. That had survived the exile about Jerusalem. Now, there's kind of like two key things happening here. There's, there's, there's two key words like ruin and return. Now, this is about 445 B.C. It's about 400 years before Jesus' birth. And the city of Jerusalem is in total ruins. And if you remember, a guy in the Bible um, called Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of the Babylonians, and he came in and just wiped out Israel because they had begun idol worship. They've, they had fallen away from God and so God allows sometimes these things. He doesn't cause them but He allows them to happen when we walk away from him, we lose our protection from him. And so Nebuchadnezzar comes in, wipes him out, and, and, and he's enlarged and in charge for a while. And, and, and all of the um, Hebrews are captive at this particular time, and they're taken back to, back to Babylon. Then later on, another king comes in, and he does a body slam to Nebuchadnezzar, and he was Cyrus the Great. Cyrus the Great was the Persian king. Um, modern-day uh, Iran today, and he comes in and he wipes out all the Babylonians and he's large and in charge, but he has a different policy. He lets the uh, Hebrews uh, who want to return to their homeland, And but this is about 50 years after they've been exiled. So a lot of the Israelites at this time had families there, another generation's been born, they're going to school, they've got jobs, and so only a remnant of Israelites Hebrews, goes back to Jerusalem, the holy city. And they arrive and they find the city in ruins. So in this text, Nehemiah asks his brother, hey, tell me the status. What, what did you discover? What's happening there? And it says, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble In great disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. He's like the condition is so bad. It's a train wreck. It's it's a dumpster fire there, bro. It's bad. And not only that, but the the people in the city are really enemies of the Israelites. And so they the Israelites have no rights. They're really they're really like looked looked down upon and and and, and there's no walls to protect. By the way, if there's no walls to protect you, then you know, you could just be um, you know, just taken over at any time. The homes are decrepit um, and they're constantly being humiliated. People are coming up to them like, oh, if your God is so powerful, then why are you so weak? And what's interesting to me and what's important to us is Nehemiah's initial response. And I hope I can communicate this well as going forward. In verse four, here's what happened. This is connected to the blueprint for rebuilding and brokenness. It says, first thing he said is, when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. I wept. See, what do you do when someone you love, um, you find out that their world has collapsed or fallen apart? What do you do? I submit to you sometimes we don't do that. What do you do when your son or your daughter's marriage falls apart? What do you do when you find out your husband is addicted to drugs or your child's addicted to pornography or someone you thought was really healthy is now deathly ill. See, according to Nehemiah in this verse, when there's that kind of brokenness, the collapse of things around us, you stop. You let it in, that pain in, that grief in. You let it touch your heart. Jerusalem's walls are broken and Nehemiah's heart is broken. He actually felt the grief deep down in his soul. And so the first step in rebuilding in brokenness, write this down, is you sit down and you cry. All like, right, Pastor, this is not my kind of message. I'm a man. You know, I don't do that. Well, here's the problem. Some of us grab the hammer and we start going to work, but we don't see success in the work because we started with the wrong first step. You didn't stop, drop, and feel it. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. I can remember my experience in 2019. I had a sabbatical and I went to California, Southern California. And part of my sabbatical was to learn to rest and get some healing, get some healing. And uh, you may be surprised to hear this, but I, I got some what we call group therapy. And I can remember learning some things about myself that I didn't realize about myself. I had some idiosyncrasy, I don't know if that's the right word, some... Um, inordinate responses sometimes to stress. For example, when I'm really afraid, I would laugh, like kinda inordinately. Or, you know, when something really sad happened, I wouldn't stop to feel the sadness, I would immediately go to solutions. And there's a part of that that makes sense, but there's another part of it that's not right, it's not healthy. And so they, they talked about, they used this phrase, they go, you gotta learn, Derek, how to get down in the well. So I would see people that are down in the well, they're, they're, they're down in a hole and they're, they're, in, a, they're in a darkness and there's, it's cold and, 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 and they're lost and they're isolated. There's all kinds of problems down deep in that well. And so my first response is to give them a ladder, to give them a hand, to give them a rope and pull them out as quick as possible. And they said, no, Derek, you need to go down there in the well with them. You need to feel and experience and try to understand what is actually happening in there. And if you're going to actually try to get them to come out of that with you, you're going to have to try to identify with what's happening in them. They would say it like this, if you don't if you don't grieve for it, then you're saying it's as if you're saying it didn't matter. Wow, that was big. And so Nehemiah did the same thing when he saw Jerusalem. He was overcome with emotion. Jesus was like that, by the way. He said in so many words, Nehemiah and Jesus, there's parallels uh, to the two of them. But he said, these people are like sheep without a shepherd and there's no one to protect them, no one to care for them. And the Bible says Jesus wept over them. And so there's this, by the way, weeping and crying are different. You girls, you know what I'm talking about. There's that, you know, kind of cry. And then there's that ugly cry. I'm not going to even do it because I don't want to show my face on camera like that. But you know that ugly cry. Nehemiah wept. Jesus wept. So overcome with emotion on behalf of a hurting, humiliated people that he sat down and he sobbed, not for himself, but for others. So how has that happened and played out in your life? So let me give you an example, a personal one, and I'm going to try not to get emotional about this, but this is a story about my grandson, my, my, my blue-eyed blonde Hudson. He's a uh, He's a little over three now. But Hudson grew up in my house from basically when he was born till a little over a year and a half years old. He lived in my basement with his mom and dad. And um, I can remember when my daughter's marriage started to fall apart. Um, Skipping ahead, I can remember when they were moving to Alabama. And uh, I... um, I remember dropping Hudson off at the airport and seeing him go for the last time. I was so emotional, you guys. I couldn't explain it. I remember he gets on the plane, his grandmother went with him, with, with his mom to Alabama and I had to go home by myself. And this kid was in my house every single day. I can't even tell you how. We were like this, you know. And I remember going home and I just was sobbing. I was just weeping. I remember looking in the mirror going, pull yourself together. And I remember saying, "God, what is the matter with me? What is going on?" And, and I think I later I began to process that I was feeling like I had always wanted to be an active, intimate part of my grandkids' lives. So I had this expectation, this dream, whatever desire. But then I also was feeling there was going to be this gap of. Of a godly male influence, and things aren't good with his dad at the moment, and, and there's this hole, that's gonna, and he's gonna he's gonna be shortchanged in some way, and it's and it's not fair, and oh, I was feeling all of that, and I didn't want to let it in, but I felt like God was like, no, just let it in, just let it in, feel that, grieve that, it's okay, it's okay, you need to just let it in, just let it. so I did, I let it in. Man, I wept the whole way home. And I had multiple days where I would just cry and pray, you know, about my grandson, my daughter, our future. It did something to me that day and in the coming days. It expanded my heart for my grandson, for my daughter, for my daughters, for my son, for my family, for all those that I have. Uh, a spiritual influence on as a spiritual father and leader. It made me better as a dad, as a granddad, as a pastor that day. I saw that day the importance of my role in people's lives and the need to be intentional, but it was intentional but it was it was precipitated by letting that moment happen. Are you guys tracking with me out there? I hope so. So the first step, in rebuilding out of brokenness is not to wallpaper over the problem. It's not to just pick up a hammer or give somebody a ladder or just give somebody a hand to try to pull them out real quick. No, it's face the reality. It's face it, head on. You actually have to sometimes stop, sit, sit down, and cry it out, cry it out. Now, what can happen is it can go too far, it can go too long, so it needs an endpoint, and I won't spend time on that, but Focus on the main point. See, I think God is saying, He was saying to me, will you let me expand your heart. Let this pain and this grief touch your heart because it's going to be a catalyst for change in the future. See, we often don't experience the changes we want in our life because we don't let things touch our heart. We let a lot of stuff touch our head, but not many things connect with our heart. God you know, sometimes we're encouraged to suppress and even control our emotions. And I believe in self-control, but not suppression. I believe there is heart before head. There is this power, a catalytic power, in letting that part of of that pain and that brokenness touch your heart that can be um, and create motion and action and the right behaviors. Um, and there's so much I could say about that. You can see this when you're... In the business world, you know people that you know are in debt. It's not going to be more information. It's just going to be I'm fed up with not being able to take care of my kids. It's it's not going to be uh, some uh, coaching you got to lose weight. No, it's just going to be it's going to be some painful moment where the doctor told you something that you know was was kind of scary, and you embrace that. A lot of people. Don't hurt enough, excuse me, don't change because they've received enough, they want to change. Or because they've learned enough, they want to change. A lot of people change because they hurt enough, they have to. They, they let the pain in. And so Dave Ramsey used to say it like this with people who are, you know, just ravaged by debt. He'd said, before you put together a plan for reducing debt, you got to get good and angry. you got to get good and angry. In other words, he's saying, you got to get, pardon my French, but you got to get pissed off at what's really going on here. Like, and so when that happens, all of a sudden, you're going to say no to charging it like, like a black, like a, like a credit card, like a black belt in credit. You're, you're, going to, you're going to say, you're going to start making those difficult choices and those disciplined choices, and you're going to avoid the gravitational pull towards apathy because you, you've got this line in the sand moment that I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm, I'm not going to live like this anymore. This will not go on another generation. It's going to change with me. And sometimes these painful moments can be uh, maybe not wrapped pretty, but they're gifts from God for change. So this is the first step in rebuilding in brokenness. And you know what? God will be there for you. See, Nehemiah's name, I don't know if you realize this, but it means the Lord comforts. So when when you're down there in the well, Derek, know something. You're not just there with that person. God is there with you too. He's down there in the well with you, helping you through it. Amen. And so I want to encourage you, open up your heart. Maybe you're like, ah, that that doesn't affect me. I'm not, I I don't really feel that. Everything's going pretty good for me right now. Well, then zoom out a little bit. What in the world, I say that kind of tongue in cheek, what in the world is breaking your heart right now? There should be something. Is it the poverty in our world? Is it the social injustice in our world? Is it the racial tension in our world? Is it the, 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 the sickness that's amidst us everywhere. Open up your heart and let, let something happen inside of you. Nehemiah was 1,000 miles away from this. He was living in the king's castle. Don't tell me God can't touch somebody's heart. He can touch yours. He could have said, it sucks to be them right now. I'm just gonna, we should just pray for them. Maybe I'll send a gift A little one-time gift online a little bit of money and and hopefully hopefully somebody will be there Lord and and you'll send the right people there Nehemiah sat down and said you know what Uh, somebody's got to do something about this and it might as well be me maybe my burden for them could become someone else's blessing so God wants to expand your heart let him in number two write this down this is the second thing he did He knelt down to pray, he kneels down to pray. Now we're starting a season of prayer and fasting this whole week, Monday through Thursday, uh, at our Framingham location, and then Friday night we're gonna pray, and we're gonna have an encounter with God on Friday night. I encourage you to participate with us. But look what Nehemiah said and what he prayed and how long he prayed. Verses 4 through 6, it said, For some days I mourned and fasted before the God of heaven. I love how he prays. He said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love to those who love him, let your ears be attentive and your eyes open to this prayer by your servant. He's praying before you. And I'm doing it day and night for your servants, not myself, for the people of Israel. This guy's not a contractor he 's a committed prayer warrior, and I want you to think about this because it 's so true. Who does God use on planet Earth? He uses tender hearted people with tough knees that 's who he uses and he was this man wasn 't too proud to storm the gates of heaven because the gates of his city and because the walls of his city had been torn down and burnt down, and actually throughout this whole book in the Bible. There's 12 different prayers that Nehemiah prays. This guy was a prayer warrior. And so don't say, what can I do or what what could little old me do that matters that can make a difference? He could have said that, but he didn't. What you, can you do? You can pray somebody Can I have an amen from the people out there? You can pray. He prayed. He fasted. He reminded God of his awesomeness. He reminded himself how awesome and big God is and the things that he'd done in the past. And he's like, God, open your ears and open your eyes to the thing that I'm asking you today. He invites God into this crazy nuts mess. And what happens a lot of times, and I need to hear this more than probably some of you, that this is the most neglected step in the blueprint of rebuilding out of brokenness I prefer action I'm kind of one of those ready fire aim kind of people like I just want to get up and go but prayer is so important I I, um, was calling my friend Zenzo some of you guys know my friend Zenzo and he was a worship leader for the late great Reinhard Bunke some of you don't know who that is This guy reached more people for Jesus than maybe anyone on the planet. He would have crusades. If you go online and you look him up, Reinhard Bunke, B-U-N-K-E, millions of people, open air meetings, as many as three million at a time. And he would have two-week crusades, but he would have 40 days of prayer that preceded that. And there was this woman that was his prayer director that would go into the country weeks before him to lay a foundation of prayer before the revival meetings. She would pray for 26 days before anybody ever got there and they would build this massive platform that, listen, this platform could seat um, or, or hold thousands of people underneath it. That's how big it was. That's how big these crusades were. And so she'd be there praying with the team for 26 days and then the next 14 days of the crusade, she and prayer warriors would be beneath the platform every night Praying, praying, praying for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, for the presence of God, for the anointing uh, to be there. And mighty signs and wonders would always follow. Nobody ever saw Suzette Hadid. Nobody ever saw her. Nobody saw all those prayer warriors. But what was happening beneath the surface was manifested above the surface. What happened beneath the platform, the foundation of that platform, and the breakthrough, From all those broken lives was prayer. Many years later she resigned and she went to plant a church in another part of the world with her husband and another person took over and it's noted that the miracles and the signs and wonders were dramatically reduced and the prayer director, a male, no longer prayed like she did beneath the platform or sewed the way she did prior to that. He actually was on the platform. See, let it not be said of us that we don't see the foundational benefits of getting on our knees and praying before God and seeing God do a mighty work in our midst. It's so important that we see that. And the question is, what do you pray? There's a man named um, Bob Pierce. Some of you know who he is. He is the president and founder of World Vision. Um, And many, many years ago in the late 40s, he was approached by a woman who um, wanted to go back to school, but she had a child and she didn't know how she was going to take care of her child if she didn't go to school, and she didn't have the money for it, and Bob saw this woman and saw this baby and just was moved with compassion for a person that he didn't know and for a baby that he certainly didn't have responsibility for, and he gave what was in his wallet, he gave $5. and after that the Lord spoke to him and and he felt like he should continue to give five dollars a month to that woman to see that woman finish school and that baby be taken care of and so he did and five dollars back then was a lot of money and he prayed a prayer he said Lord break my heart for what breaks yours amazing now that prayer has been a catalyst for change that has literally changed the world today World Vision is, let's see, um, a $2.8 billion organization. And millions upon millions of children have received food, clothing, water, education, and in particular, Jesus Christ. So God put a fire in his heart and gave him a burden for someone he didn't know, someone he didn't know if he could really make a difference with. And God blessed the world through that prayer and through that investment. See, if you want to be a world changer for Jesus Christ, I want you to, I want you, I dare you to pray like Nehemiah did uh, for 52 days. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Young people, a lot of times you're known as the justice generation. And you see all the things that are wrong. Don't complain about it. Do something about it. The fact that you see it is because God chose you to do something about it. God wants to turn the things you see, the misery you see, into ministry that God sees working through you. Take those biggest burdens to God and watch them become the biggest blessing on the world through you. And I know your burden might seem too big, but God's math is so different. God's math is you and God are the majority. Can I have an amen? Now, as we begin to conclude today's message, I want to encourage you to get to that place in God. You gotta sit down and cry. You gotta kneel down and pray, but what do you pray? You pray humbly. See, the Bible says that God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Look what Nehemiah prayed in verse 6. He said, I confess the sins we Israelites have done, including myself, my father's family, have committed against you. We've acted wickedly towards you. See, it's so important that we own our part in the brokenness within our world, whether it's something we did, whether it's something you know that was done to us, or whether it's some kind of combination, whatever, it doesn't matter. Own your part in the brokenness of your world because we want God for us, not against us, right? And then in verse eight, he says, Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses? Look at the promise in here. If you are unfaithful, I'll scatter you among the nations. But if if my people return to me and they obey my commands, then even if you are exiled people to the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling place for my name. That's exactly what he wants to do to the church of Jesus Christ. That's exactly what he wants to do to connect if people will return to him and begin to obey his commands again. He says, They are your servants and your people you have redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Man, that's a prayer. He got up from that prayer and the power of God was with him to fulfill the task. And he did what some theologians say would have taken years. He did what Within 52 days, he rebuilt the city. I don't, when we get into the story and we see the accomplishment, it's absolutely astounding. Don't underestimate what God can do through people who pray. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray for you right where you are. I want to pray in a sense on our behalf. Would you agree with me? This is kind of going to be a raw prayer, prayer, you know, kind of a repentance. And so I just want to say, God, before you, We've been, for sure, in some way, shape, or form, wicked. I don't know how else to say it, God. Some of us have been indifferent. Some of us have been sinful. Some of us have been silent. Some of us have said too much. We care more sometimes about politics than prayer, more about issues, Lord, than intimacy. God, forgive us for the idols that we have put before you. We tear them down in Jesus' name. God, give us the appetite again for prayer now. Lord, help us to feel what you feel. Break our heart for what breaks yours in Jesus' name. I pray that this message has ministered to you in a particular way. If you're far from God and you need somebody to pray with you, just ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. Confess Him right now with your mouth. Just say, Jesus, save me. And if that's you, you just raise your hand and just right there online just say, I just prayed that prayer. And we wanna help you. We want to give you something. We, we're going to send a book to you, and, uh, we, but we want you to tell us about it. So please let us know by raising your hand. I ask you to do this. Would you text CC Saved to 97000? And I'm going to give you something that's going to help you on your journey. But maybe some of you are there and God's been working on your heart through this message. And you feel that He's breaking it. Maybe you need to pray some with someone in the chat room right now. Just take some time out. Pray with them. They're here for you. I want you to know I'm here for you too and I'm praying for you and I pray God bless you as you continue to let feel it sit you know just sit and cry for some of those things and make sure you continue to kneel down and pray God's going to give you a blueprint for the brokenness in your world God bless you